I was in Tanzania when I found out. I was in my room, you know, I have like a desk and a bedroom all set up at one of my research sites. And so, yeah, I was just checking my email at the end of the evening and getting ready for the week ahead. And it was a nice surprise. This is Yolanda. Hi. And this is her video, Responses to Recurrent Refuge and Return, Burundian Refugees in Tanzania. This is Claude. He's from Burundi and is currently a refugee living in a camp in western Tanzania for the past two years. For this three-minute video on her PhD research, Yolanda was named one of Shirk's top 25 storytellers. A little bit of productive procrastination from other things I had going on. It kind of like reiterates the stereotype that geographers like color in maps, like in primary school. Not what we usually do in kind of academic geography, but for the video I needed to be a bit creative because I can't take any pictures in the camps. For, it's not allowed. But the second thing is I wouldn't want to identify anyone who was involved in my research, so I had to think of something else. I'm in Tanzania now, uh, in the west, so it's close to the border with Burundi. But I did made the video in England, so I, I was in Tanzania for seven months and then I was away for four months in the UK as a visiting student and in that time I had done just a little bit of preliminary research in Tanzania beforehand because most of the time was getting permits. It was actually kind of helpful to do the video and to think, okay, how do I explain this to a general audience and quickly like I'm not going to talk about geography and theories of space and theories of the camp. I, I need to put it in terms that are relatable, like across a wide variety of NGOs and agencies. And so when I came back to Tanzania, I was able to much more like quickly and clearly articulate what I was doing when I was, you know, introducing myself and my research to people because I had like stepped back and like thought. Like Claude, around 80% of current Burundian refugees in Tanzania have previously been refugees at least once before. Many of them have experienced multiple prior forced migrations. Yeah, and it's one story out of so many, and it could have been, you know, an entirely different trajectory had I recounted an, a different uh, refugee story. But I really, I use a life history approach in my research, and I really appreciate the way that it shows life kind of beyond the camp, but also that life in the camp is still people's lives like it's still it's not on hold even though in many ways like there are things there's so many limits but people still you know get married have kids go to school a few years later violence in eastern congo forced claude to flee again he crossed the lake to tanzania and was put in a refugee camp where he worked as a teacher met his wife and had his first children these big kind of life um, moments still happen In terms of the formal life histories, I try to do at least at least two or three um, interviews with those participants, and I think of it as kind of like an introvert's way of doing research because it def certainly means a smaller sample size when you're doing multiple interviews with the same person. If, even if you have a sample size of 30, you'll end up with 90 interviews if you talk to each person three times only. You do get some depth, but you also have to be aware of the limits, I think, because you're only talking to someone a few times still. It seems like, you know, you're getting so much more than just with a semi-structured interview that you do once, and you do get to know people a little bit better. 
sometimes people I've interviewed because I'm in the same part of the camp, you know, you'll see them again and just cross paths a few times and have those informal interactions as well, which does add kind of a richness and familiarity and what I think ethnographers call rapport and building rapport with people. But it's difficult because you can never entirely overcome like relations that exist in terms of like re researcher and research participant and those kind of imbalances. I don't think that you can make them disappear, but you can get more into the messiness of working within that and trying to do the best that you can within that when you see people more than once. Sadly, Yolanda Vaima won't be joining me and the other storytellers in Regina for phase two of the contest. It is remote in that it would take quite a few days to get back. Yeah, it's interesting now doing research with like internet, quite good 3G internet, you can still stream movies or do whatever so and you can like easily Skype with people and so you, f you can feel very connected to many places at once even in a place like this that seems very remote. 3G allowed Yolanda to talk with me about her experiences and to check out the other storyteller videos on the Shirk website. The ones that I watched that had nothing to do with my kind of area of research they might think that they made something that was really simple and straightforward, but like, you know, I had no background in some of these like topics. And so it does kind of introduce a lot quite quickly. Yeah, I think a lot of them were really great. And it would have been an interesting kind of interdisciplinary group to have together because even though it's all social sciences and humanities, like that's huge, the amount of like things that are covered. Hermit's now in hand, Yolanda has research to do, but hey, at least you won't have to present live. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of an easy out to this one. <laughs> that does seem nerve-wracking. It's hard in three minutes, as you know. Thank you for talking to me, Yolanda, and good luck with your interviews. Good luck in Regina. <laughs>